This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this. All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. At Amica Insurance... We know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. I'm Jane Pauley, and this is Sunday Morning. Television is the topic we begin with this morning. We'll check in with two veteran broadcasters, each in some ways a trailblazer. Longtime talk show host Maury Povich announced his retirement not long ago. His partner, herself a prominent television figure, Connie Chung, left the business a few years back. Big life changes for two well-known personalities. They'll be talking with our Mo Rocca. Congratulations, Maury! After a career spanning nearly 70 years, Maury Povich is moving off camera. The Maury I see on TV is so thoughtful, so considerate, enormous amount of patience. It is true that she'd rather be with the guy who's on TV. Well, he's so nice. But I thought those two people were the same. No. Putting it together with Maury and Connie. Ahead. On Sunday morning. Hi, Jane. Hi, Connie. Luke Burbank marvels at the comic book universe, now coming to life at the movies. A story from Steve Hartman, commentary from Oprah Winfrey, and more, all on this Sunday morning for the 1st of May, 2022. And we'll be back after this. 
legendary broadcasters, both trailblazers in their field, Mo Rocca catches up with Maury Povich and Connie Chung. I used to be a 3.8 and now I'm a 2.6. These days, 83-year-old Maury Povich has lots of free time to work on his golf game. It's been my therapy for the last, you know, 50 years or so. In March, Povich announced that he's retiring from his day job and that original episodes of his longtime talk show, and I have a business and you have a business. famous and infamous for its out-of-control teens. You are a father at 16. You're going to have to grow up fast, son. Black olives or green olives? Any. It's unusual phobias. Bring out the olives! No! And most of all, paternity tests. You are the father. Would stop airing in September. You are not the father. But long before the public knew him simply as, Povich had already made his name as a public affairs host, a reporter, and an itinerant local anchorman who, in his off time, studied the tapes of TV News's then most trusted voice. Good evening. The Carter administration said today that $50 a person tax rebate checks could be in mailboxes within three months. At that point in my life, the holy grail was to anchor a network news. I watched Cronkite because, of course, he was the man. But life on the road took its toll. I made the terrible mistake of not being with my family, worried about my career, and that ended in a divorce. The biggest mistake I've made was putting my job before my family. That was, that was unconscionable. You think it was unconscionable, but that was, I mean, the business, you didn't, set, you didn't was, set up the business. That's the addiction of the business. Hollywood's most horrible crime. So when media mogul Rupert Murdoch offered him the relative stability of host of a new kind of news show, Stop it, Povich said yes. Behind the scenes with the team that uncovered the exclusive Robert Chambers home video. A current affair yes. was really influential. Would you believe it? Charles Manson is up for parole again. I fervently believe that the first five or six or seven years of a current affair changed the whole landscape of covering news on television. How so? Because a current affair became popular because of the stories that network newsrooms were putting in the trash can. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker and all the other so-called tabloid stories. And all of a sudden, we were getting the ratings that network newscasts were getting. The CBS News, I guarantee you, does more crime than they used to. Hello, everyone. I'm Ari Povich. Welcome to A Current Affair. The hosting job at A Current Affair also meant he would live in the same city as his second wife. Which is a perfect cue for Connie to come in. It, she's not here. Where's Connie? This is Connie Chung time. This is Connie <laughs> Chung standard time. <laughs> Maury Povich and Connie Chung had met in 1969 when he was a big shot at WTTG in Washington, D.C., and she was a copy girl. Yeah, but Maury never paid attention to me. You know, I would rip wire copy off the wire machines and I'd hand it to him. And were you pining for him? Secretly? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Seven years later, in 1977, they met again on the West Coast. This time, Chung had top billing. 
co-anchor, Second uh -huh. Banana, and she was a big star in Los Angeles. Among the hardest hit were the Beatles themselves. George Harrison says he is still in shock. That's when their current affair began. We dated for over seven years, never lived together. Yeah, it was perfect. But then you got married in 1984. Uh -huh. You got married in 84, correct. But we were living in two different cities. Right. And that made it the perfect marriage. <laughs> Why don't you tell him it took you 10 years to put me on the deed? <laughs> this is not about me. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be about the both of you. And, and Maury, yeah. No. <laughs> what do you mean? See, I've been Mr. Chung for almost 40 years, all right? It's just, I mean, I mean, if you take a look at it in terms of my career, you could absolutely track that all of my success, my national success, came after I married this woman. Why would you say that? Because she settled me and she encouraged me and she was a believer in uh, what I had to offer. As for Connie's story, after she went national at NBC, she moved over to CBS and in 1993 became co-anchor of the CBS Evening News, a first for Asian Americans and at CBS for women. Good evening and welcome, Connie. Thank you, Dan. The pairing didn't last. But at the same time, this was a very fortuitous moment because in 1995, when she was taken off the CBS Evening News, the next day we find out that uh, we're going to adopt this little boy. So it was serendipity. Right. You know, it was really meant to be. When is Connie going to own her status as a trailblazer? Well, you know, one of the biggest problems I have with this young lady is that uh, she doesn't recognize what she's done. And she's just beginning to because she gets now a lot of inquiries from young Asian journalists. And in fact, there's this whole crowd of Asian American women named Connie because of her. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And then some of them are named actually Connie Chung and then something last name. How does that make you feel? I'm flabbergasted, honestly. Today, the couple splits their time between New York, Florida, and Montana, where they keep watch over the Flathead Beacon, the award-winning local newspaper Povich created in 2007. When you look at each other now, what do you see? I see a gorgeous man. No. Yeah, I do. What you usually will see is, you know, there's a little lint here. There's a little lint Yeah. I th I'm like a monkey. Sort of, yeah. Monkeys do that. So I see the most beautiful woman I could ever imagine. Oh, Maury. And I've, I've become a prune. I've, I'm shrinking, and I'm up to all... your navel. <laughs> and it's just, it's so, I'm so sorry you have to look it up. at Mato. this. Never let a club get between us. <laughs> Maury may be done with his program, but Maury Povich and Connie Chung? No tongues? No tongues. Their show goes on. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? 
In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Every night, I dream the same dream. begins. That's Benedict Cumberbatch in the new movie, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Behind every Marvel movie lies a multiverse of comic books. And Luke Burbank's found a man who's read all 27,000 of them. Since the dawn of time, or, or technically the 1960s to be precise, a tale has been building. A single, connected narrative involving thousands of characters and millions of pages of comics. The Marvel Universe is the biggest story that has ever been told. It all happens in the same setting. Stories that happened in 1961 or 1962 have consequences in comics that are coming out this week. Douglas Walk is a writer and Marvel expert who patiently explained to me, a non-comic book person, that Marvel might be the longest running and most voluminous story told in human history. And it's all connected, meaning if the Hulk stubbed his toe back in 1979, Captain America could be dealing with the consequences here in 2022. All of those events are its history, its past what it can draw on for this perpetually evolving story. Not just a continuous story going on for six decades, but a continuous story going on in many, many threads at once that can cross each other at any time. Marvel started publishing comics in the 1930s, but according to Walk, it was only in the early 1960s that Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, and Jack Kirby pioneered the idea of having all the characters live in the same universe. Walk had been a fan of Marvel Comics since he was a boy, but his son Sterling didn't start off sharing his love of, as he calls it, spandex violence. But then... Eventually he was like, oh, but superhero comics are a complicated system. I like complicated systems. Hey, Dad, I'd like to read all the Marvel Universe comics. Not in the uh, order they were published, the order the events happened to the characters. It's like, okay, that's a pretty tall order. So they set out on a father and son adventure, tackling a seemingly impossible challenge. You just have to find a way in and wander around inside it. There's lots of weird and boring and arcane and confusing parts. And there are beautiful and magical and fascinating parts. They found themselves jumping around from comic to comic, devouring page after page, issue after issue. 
And I started thinking, what would it actually look like to read these half million pages of comics, to read the 27,000 superhero comics that Marvel had published since 1961? It was at this point that Douglas Walk started to transform from mild-mannered Portland writer to Dr. Marvel Brain, AKA one of the few people on planet Earth to read all of the Marvels, which is also the title of the book he wrote about the experience. Superhero comics are stories about our world made much bigger than life and turned into this enormous, endless, ongoing soap opera. It seems hard to imagine now with Marvel films regularly breaking box office records. But for years, they struggled to get their work adapted for the big screen. In fact, the first Marvel feature movie was actually Howard the Duck. That's it. No more Mr. Nice Duck. A box office bomb so bad, it was literally declared the worst film of 1986. The Marvel Cinematic Universe has come a long way since then, churning out hit after hit. But of course, it all started with the comics, which is where things took an interesting turn for Douglas Walk. On the last page, we see Doctor Strange hanging out in his study at home, and on his bookshelf hmm. is a copy of all of the Marvels. The book I wrote exists within the comic story. I could not be happier about this. An unusual origin story, but proof that there's room for everybody inside the biggest story ever told. Time to play ball with Steve Hartman. Watching eight-year-old Chloe Grimes talking smack, hitting liners, and throwing heat. You'd never guess she's also fighting cancer and has been off and on since the age of two. The girl has grit. Which is why the Tampa Bay Rays recently invited Chloe to toss out a first pitch. She threw it to a player named Brett Phillips, who now believes this moment wasn't so much ceremonial as it was serendipitous. What a story, right? You can't not think that there's just some you know, a divine intervention. Yeah. Brett Phillips, number 35, is Chloe's favorite player, even though he's not exactly an all-star. He's not the best hitter, you know. I know, but he's so nice. What's up, guys? She's got that right. This is a player who comes out 20 minutes before every game to talk with kids. How you doing, man? Almost to the point of parenting. How are those grades? He'll make time for people, even in the middle of a play. I've never seen a professional athlete so devoid of bravado, especially on the day Chloe walked into his life. You know, I had the chance to meet Chloe for the first time, and she's battling cancer, and she brought me these gifts. (laughs) She wrote my name on a softball, and like, holy cow. Among those gifts. I'm gonna wear it tonight, all right? A bracelet. It's gonna bring me good luck, huh? And sure enough, that night, not just a home run. It was the hardest ball I've hit in my major league career. If not for the roof, it might have left the building. Needless to say, Brett won't be taking off that bracelet anytime soon. Although Chloe insists that she got the better gift. 
He gave me spirit to like beat the butt out of cancer. <laughs> and to Brett Phillips, that smile is what baseball is all about. Yeah. I've been blessed with a platform to spread joy and love hey! on a daily basis. What are you doing? Just recently, oh Brett surprised Chloe at her house, <laughs> cemented their friendship, oh and earned himself the greatest title in professional sports, okay. most valuable <laughs> presence in a child's how was, life. How was school? Commentary this morning comes from Oprah Winfrey, who's partnering with the Smithsonian Channel to raise awareness about inequities in our healthcare system. During the height of the pandemic, I read a story about a family in Detroit. Now, this story would not let me rest. As a matter of fact, it haunted me. It was the story of the Fowler family. Gary Fowler worked hard his entire life. 56 years old, working 80 hours a week to provide for his family because that was his greatest desire, to create a secure, beautiful life for the people he loved. He became ill, experiencing COVID symptoms, went to three different hospitals, begging them for help. Each hospital sent him home. Finally, he became so tired, so exhausted, he gave up, went home, sat in his favorite recliner, and died there because hospitals, three of them, in Detroit, would not treat him. Imagine that. If access to life-saving health care for somebody you love depended on the color of their skin. So I wondered how many other Gary Fowlers there are in America. Research tells us there are far too many. And we need to do something about this larger pandemic that COVID has exposed. Racial disparities in our health care system that cost lives. We're fighting the impact of decades of mistreatment, but we can do better. So let's make the choice to be better and do better. This can be changed and we're the ones to change it. There's the Ukraine war we know about, perhaps all too well. And then there's another war, far less familiar, underpinning this entire conflict. Seth Doan explains. At a special midnight service in Udine in northeast Italy, this priest led his flock of Ukrainian, Russian, and Eastern European immigrants through their usual Orthodox Easter traditions last weekend. But recently, he's also accompanying them on a much less familiar path, sparked by the war in Ukraine. In March, this parish decided to split from its mother church in Moscow, joining instead the Istanbul-based Orthodox Church, whose leader has criticized the war, in stark contrast from the head of the Russian Orthodox Church. By separating from Moscow, Father Volodymyr Melnichuk told us, we are adhering to the Christian vision of the world. There are roughly 100 million Russian Orthodox, the largest church within Orthodox Christianity. Their leader is Patriarch Kirill, who's framed Russia's invasion of Ukraine in holy terms. In a sermon in early March, Kirill railed against the influences of the Western world, its excess consumption and gay pride parades, saying of the Ukraine war, we're talking about human salvation. Patriarch Kirill is supporting the war, in fact. 
Andrei Sinitsyn, who's from Moscow, agrees with his parish's split. The Patriarch Kirill got too close to the government. How is that as a, as a churchgoer, someone who, a believer? <laughs> no, it's, it's unacceptable. The church should be independent. I believe that the church is the main supplier of the ideology, Putin's ideology. Father Cyril Overun was ordained by Kirill and was his theological advisor until 2012. This war has a simple formula. War equals to uh, guns plus ideas. And the guns are, uh, of course, supplied by the Kremlin, and the ideas come from the church. And Father Cyril believes Putin sees this war as a sacred operation. A mission from God to purge the world from, you know, impurity of the Western ideas and Western values. You're saying that the church is, has created the ideological underpinning for the war. Well, actually, when I was uh, working in the Moscow Patriarchate, I was witnessing how this ideology was emerging, and I protested uh, against that. In Soviet times, priests were pushed to keep the spy service informed, and it's widely believed that Kirill was in the KGB. But Father Cyril believes Kirill was never enthusiastic about it, which created friction with Putin. That's why we are talking about the marriage of convenience and not, not marriage by love. What do you mean it's a marriage of convenience, not of love? They have to tolerate each other because they use the skills, the charisma and possibilities, resources of each other, each one for his own end. Those resources are vast, says another former insider, Sergei Chapnin, who also worked for Korea. There are uh, rough estimations uh, that he's uh, definitely a, a billionaire, and in fact, he's one of the Putin's oligarchs. Sorry to you, say wait, that. Wait, you're calling the patriarch an oligarch? Yeah, he has financial interest in sort of his cooperation uh, with the state, just like other oligarchs. Chapnin sees Russia's church as a state propaganda machine, spreading Putin's message as the defender of conservative values against a morally corrupt West. Chapnin also thinks the expansionist ambitions of Kirill even exceed those of Putin. The main motivation for Patriarch Kirill is actually power and influence, but because of the war, he actually loses it. Before the war, Ukraine had many Orthodox churches loyal to Moscow. Now hundreds of Ukrainian parishes have broken away in protest, something that's not so easy to do in Russia. Still, this priest from a parish outside Moscow says he felt compelled to speak out. The responsibility of what is happening now lays on all of us, Father Johan Bordin told us, everyone who approved it or stayed silent. But when he spoke in a sermon of what he called this fratricidal conflict, he was questioned by Russian police, fined and warned of a criminal proceeding. You're seeing people in Russia leave the church because of this? It's not a visible process. They do not leave in groups, he told us. But without a doubt, it's happening. And just as this church in Udine, Italy illustrates, as Putin tries to alter political borders, the region's religious map is also changing. Thank you for listening. Please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning.
It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds, but none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.